Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us how Sarah never said no to Abraham despite all they went through because Sarah followed Abraham because she wanted to. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's some highlights from yesterday's message. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go unto a place where he should afterward receive for an inheritance, obeyed. We're picking up these words, very important words here. God first appeared to Abraham as the God of glory. That was first. And then he spoke to Abraham. So what we see here in Abraham is a man with weaknesses, wanting to obey God, and God helping him to obey God. Now here's Tom Cantor as we continue our expository study from the book of Genesis every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Okay, turn to Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah 51, verses 1 and 2. And here, God is addressing certain people who uh, have certain desires, okay? In Isaiah 51, 1 through 2, it says, Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence ye were hewn, and to the hole of the pit, once ye are digged, look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bare you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. Now in these verses here, God is calling out to say, in essence, what I am about to say to you is for anyone who wants to follow righteousness. Like my rabbi friend I told you about, who went to the Chabad conference in New York, to become a better Jew, he said, but it means to learn how to become more righteous. You want to become more righteous, okay? So God's saying, you who want to be righteous, this is for you. And then he says, what I'm about to say is for anyone who's not satisfied with his distance from God and really wants to get close to God. And he's saying, to you who want to know God more, this is for you. And God says, look to the rock that you were carved out of, and look to the pit or the mine that you were taken out of. And so what's the rock and what's the mine? He says, it's Abraham. So God's talking about Abraham here. He says, look to Abraham, your father. And so he, he, he says, so, so what are we supposed to see about Abraham? What's the point? And what are we supposed to see about Abraham? That's to lead to righteousness and to becoming a friend of God. And God is saying to him, to to us, to anyone, I had a relationship with Abraham. That is, and what kind of relationship did God have with Abraham? An alone relationship. I had an alone relationship. It was just me and Abraham. That's what he's saying here. It was Abraham's alone relationship with God. And that was the alone relationship with God that led to Abraham to believe God resulted in him gaining God's righteousness. It was Abraham's alone relationship with God that led Abraham into a friendship with God. It was not Abraham's membership in a congregation or an assembly that made the difference. You know, Abraham wasn't Abraham's membership in a church or synagogue. There were no churches or synagogues for him to join anyway, but anyway. He had this relationship with God that was exclusive. It was just between Abraham and God. And so therefore, God expresses this by saying, I called Abraham alone. And it wasn't just that one time. 
but it was throughout his life. And when anyone comes to start a relationship with God, it has to be an exclusive relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There may be a church invitation the person responds to. There may be a person who leads the lost person to the Savior. There may be a Bible study group. But if there's going to be a real beginning of a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, then all those other vehicles drop out of sight. And there's only that person alone with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that doesn't happen, then there's no relationship. And that starts the private, alone relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a call to Abraham. I called him alone, not just at one time, but throughout his life. And it's a call to us as believers, not just when we're saved, but throughout our life, to a alone relationship. Every morning, that alone relationship can be strengthened, and God wants to, for the believer, as as the believer would say to God as he comes to his morning devotion time, Lord, you called me alone when I was first saved. Lord, this morning, you also call me alone, and I'm coming to you alone this morning. And this morning, I'm not bringing anyone else into our time together. This morning, I'm not bringing any other distracting thoughts into our time alone together. You called me alone, I'm coming alone. And that's what it, God wants us to see about Abraham. God called him alone, and Abraham lived by this alone relationship with God. And that's the key to understanding the secret of Abraham is the word alone. And Abraham took time to be alone with God. We can imagine Abraham, like the Lord Jesus, oftentimes we saw him in his quiet time alone with God. Abraham was never in a rush for his quiet time to be alone with God. We should never be in a rush in our quiet time to be alone with God in the morning. When we come to our morning devotion time, there's, there's something that we will never hear from God. You know what that is? We'll never hear God say as we meet in the morning, well, come on, let's get this over. <laughs> God's not going to say that. God's not going to say, you don't know, but I got a lot of things to do today. <laughs> you know, it's not going to say, in fact, something really important has come up in the universe, and I just I can't spend much time with you today. <laughs> so let's get on with it. Let's get it over. God will never say that. Why? Because when it comes to spending time with God, when it comes to spending time alone with God, God's not in a hurry. God's not in a hurry. God calls Abraham alone. God calls us alone. He wanted to spend time alone with Abraham. He wants to spend time alone with us. Never in a hurry when it comes to spending time alone with God. The problem is us. We're the ones that are in a hurry. We're the ones who say to God, Lord, come on, let's get over. Let's get on with this. I have a lot of things to do today, as if he doesn't. And something really important has come up, and I've got to... I can't spend much time here. That's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. Why? Because God called Abraham alone. And God wanted to be alone with Abraham, and God wants to be alone with us. And if we're going to be like Abraham, then we're going to value, as Abraham did, that alone time with God. The God of glory appeared to Abraham alone. And that was just the start of Abraham to get to know the God of glory more and more. The more and more time that Abraham spent with God alone, Abraham became stronger and stronger in faith till when he left Haran, he did it as it says in uh, Genesis 12, 5 through 6, and 
This is the record. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance they had gathered, and the souls they had gotten inherit, went forth to go into the land of Canaan. Into the land of Canaan they came, and Abram passed through the land, and so forth. So by faith, when he was called to go, he obeyed. He went out, not knowing, Hebrews 11.8, not knowing whither he went. So the verse in Hebrews 11 tells us, it gives us more of a commentary of Genesis 12, that there was a point that's emphasized in Hebrews 11. What's the point? The point that's emphasized is that Abraham didn't know where he was going. Apart from that, he was fine. (laughs) He didn't know where he was going. He had no idea where he was going. How could Abraham leave Haran not knowing where he was going. I mean, well, what's, uh, what, what, but what's important about Abraham? It's not what Abraham did not know. What's important is what Abraham did know. And Abraham knew the God of glory. He knew who was calling him. He knew who was leading him. He knew who knew. <laughs> he knew the one who knew where he was going. And that was enough. That was enough for him. And so he was obeying and it's because he knew the God of glory. It didn't matter to Abraham that he didn't know where he was going. He was being led by God, and that was good enough. So we're told in verse 4 that Abraham was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. I don't know, what are you looking forward to doing when you're 75 years old? <laughs> Retirement, rest, leisurely travel, take it easy. I mean, uh, how about pick up where you're living and start to travel and, and start a new life in some place, you know, and go someplace you don't know where you're going. Well, that was Abraham. <laughs> All right, so. Now, what we've seen so far is we've seen God who establishes a relationship with Abraham appears to him as the God of glory. We see Abraham who is weak, but we see God who is a great helper. We see Abraham who has this alone relationship with God and wants to obey God, and therefore we see God who is helping Abraham to obey God. That's very important. Abraham is being helped by God to obey him. Now, look in verse 5. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's sons, and so forth, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. In the land of Canaan, they came. The focus now is on another help from God. Abram took Sarai, his wife. A great help from God. Abram took Sarai, his wife, and they went forth to go. Sarah followed Abraham. Not because Abram forced Sarah to go, but Abram persuaded Sarah to go. Now, I don't know how much persuasion it took, maybe a little bit. If you need some lessons on that, you can talk to my son. He's a very good persuader. But anyway, Abraham persuaded Sarah, and she went. And if Abraham was going to leave everything and follow God, not knowing whither he went, then Sarah was going to leave everything and follow Abraham knowing that even though she knew, Abraham didn't know where he was going. But it was God's great mercy to Abraham, a great mercy to Abraham for him to have this wife, Sarah, his wife. 
she, this is one of the great romances in the Bible. The relationship between Abraham and Sarah is a great picture of what life companionship is. And she was Abraham's life companion. And there were many, many chapters, as we're going to find here, in the life of Abraham and Sarah. And some of those chapters are disturbing, and some of those chapters are frightening, and some of those chapters are just downright terrifying. We're going to see through the disturbing chapter that we've been talking about here of we are old and we're going to start a new life. Sarah never said no. And through the the frightening chapter of leaving everything they knew and, and not knowing where they were going, and Sarah never said no. And through the terrifying chapter of telling the lie that Sarah was not his wife, which, which, but his sister, which brought all the drama, not once, but twice, of Sarah being taken into the harem of a ruler, Sarah never said no. And through the, the long chapter of infertility, which led to the terrible chapter of no baby, and the worst one of having the baby with Hagar, Ishmael, Sarah was right there with Abraham all the way. And through the scary chapter, and even though she learned about it afterward, of Abraham going out to sacrifice their only son, Isaac, Sarah never said no. And so we see, we're going to see in the life, and this is just some of them, we're going to see in the life between Abraham and Sarah as a couple, all these chapters of their life, very, very difficult chapters, chapters that they may or they may not ever want to repeat again. But through every single one of those chapters, Sarah never says no. And that's something. Sarah stuck by her man, Abraham. Sarah was determined that no matter what chapters there would be in their life, each chapter was going to start and was going to end with the words, and Abraham and Sarah. And that was Sarah's determination, and that's what she stuck to, and that's the way it was. That was Sarah's determination to stand by her man, which meant that Sarah had to submit to Abraham, which was not easy to do at all. In fact, Peter said, Peter said that women, you should be daughters of Sarah. That should be the best for you. You should be daughters of Sarah and follow her. And he, then Peter told them exactly what he meant in 1 Peter 3, 6, when he said, even as Sarah obeyed God, no, it says Sarah obeyed Abraham. Maybe Sarah would have said it would be easier to obey God if I, instead of it, but he obeyed Abraham. Calling him Lord, Peter says, whose daughters ye are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. And so that's a good chapter heading for each one of the chapters in Abraham and, Isaac, Abraham and Sarah's life. It's a, here's a chapter that you could very easily become afraid with amazement. Sarah was not afraid with any amazement. 
Why? It wasn't as though Sarah was trusting Abraham. Sarah was trusting God, the God of Abraham. As it says in Hebrews 11, 11, when it speaks of Sarah, it says, through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. She didn't judge Abraham faithful. She judged the God of Abraham who was faithful. She judged that God was leading Abraham. She knew that Abraham had weaknesses. That was very obvious. She knew that Abraham had weaknesses, but she knew that God was Abraham's helper. And she knew that God was going to help Abraham in spite of his weaknesses. And that conviction that she had made for a beautiful couple between Sarah and Abraham. She was, she was also very beautiful on the outside. We don't know, we don't have pictures, but you know, other, other men thought so too. Anyway, they were, she was beautiful on the outside, but, Sarah, but Abraham had a beautiful wife on the inside because Abraham had a life partner. And God had joined Abraham and Sarah together and Sarah was, was absolutely determined nothing was going to divide them. Nothing was going to separate them. They were a beautiful couple because they were convinced that whatever came their way in life, they would go through it together. Together. If Abraham decided one day that he didn't like Sarah and was going to walk out the tent, she'd stand in the tent's door. And she said, you're not leaving. She put her hand up like this. Same the other way around as well. Because whatever came, they were going to go through this together. Dad, today you finished up by referring to Abraham and Sarah as a beautiful couple. Now I can think of several instances in the life of Abraham and Sarah that were not so beautiful. Like when in Egypt, Abraham lied and said that Sarah was only his sister and he caused Sarah to be taken into Pharaoh's harem. I'm also thinking of when Sarah caused Abraham to have a child with her handmaid, Hagar. So I'm not so sure I would describe Abraham and Sarah as a beautiful couple. Why did you call them a beautiful couple? Well, David, I'm glad you asked that question because I call them a beautiful couple because they exemplify real life as a couple. Now, they went through some very, very rough, rocky times, and may, may it never have to be so in our lives as married couples, but it's interesting to look at them and to see the beauty in how they were as a couple. First of all, they were beautiful because they fulfilled the purpose of God. The purpose of God for a couple is stated to us in Genesis 2.18 where it says, And the Lord God said, It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. So one of the things that we see that was beautiful about Abraham and Sarah is that they did not split up. They did not go it alone. They did not get divorced. That everything that they went through, the hard times, the rocky times, they stayed together. They fulfilled what God said. It's not good that man should be alone. They weren't alone. They were together. And the, the purpose of God is he said, I will make man a help meet, a help, a help meet for him. And 
The truth is, is that man needs his wife and the wife needs her husband. And we see this, that, 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 that man needs a wife. Why? And the, and the wife needs a husband. Because it says in 1 Corinthians 7.33, He that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. So what happens in married life and what happens in the case of Sarah and Abraham is that they both were concerned about the other. Sarah was concerned about Abraham. Abraham was concerned about Sarah. And I'm not talking about the rocky times, just in general in their lives. And this is a great cure for selfishness. Selfishness is the plague of our hearts. And God graciously gives us another that we have to take care of in order to cure us of selfishness. I have some dear a dear friend of mine, a couple, and they have a a daughter that has severe Down syndrome. And I've watched in their home how that daughter transformed the whole family, transformed the wife, transformed the husband. They don't think of themselves. They think of that daughter. And it does them good, and it does the family good, and it did the brothers and sisters good as they all focused around the needs of this daughter with Down syndrome. Because God cures selfishness when we have to take care of another. Also, I have a friend who has a wife, and she has cerebral palsy, and I've watched how he cares for his wife in her state. My own uncle has a, uh, has a wife that has MS, and I've watched how he cares for her. That's good for man. That's good for us, and it's good for us when we have a person that we have to take care of, when a man has a wife that he has to take care of, when a wife has a husband that she has to take care of, and both of us, husbands and wives, if we're honest, will say, the husband will say, I need my wife. The wife will say, I need my husband. And so the husband hears that my wife needs me. And the wife hears my, my husband needs me. And therefore, it gives a whole new dynamic embodiment into, the, into this married life of beauty. And Sarah and Abraham had this. Therefore, they were a beautiful couple. They were also a beautiful couple because through it all, and they went through, as you mentioned, very, very rocky times. But through it all, they stayed together all the way through life. Abraham buried his wife. He buried his wife. And it says in Genesis 2.24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. There's that beautiful word, echad, that describes God in his oneness, the trinity of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, together in oneness. And God has made the man and the wife to reflect that and to be together. So they were beautiful in that they stayed together. And as the Lord Jesus Christ said, whom God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. In other words, it's the work of God when he puts two together. And it's the beauty of the husband and wife and the beauty of the couple when they stay together. And they had their rough times. It was very rough for them. But they also knew, and it was beautiful, how they knew the joy of recovery. As it says in Proverbs twenty four sixteen, for a just man falls seven times and rises up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. It says a just man falls seven times and rises up again. It's beautiful when a man falls down seven times and rises up again. It's beautiful when a couple 
falls down seven times and rises up again. It's the joy of recovery. And whenever we see a man who falls and gets up, we say, that was beautiful. Whenever we see a couple that falls, and I'm not suggesting it's nice to fall, it's bad to fall. But whenever we see a couple that falls and rises up, it's beautiful. And the couple is beautiful. And then there is that title, that beautiful title that makes a couple beautiful, where it says in 1 Peter 3, 7, likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. They were a beautiful couple because they had God in their marriage. They were a beautiful couple because they each had this individual life relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, with Jehovah Jesus. They were a beautiful couple because together they came and they knew the grace of God because they were heirs together, because they prayed for each other. They prayed together. They were heirs together of the grace of life. And that was beautiful. So for all these reasons, when you look at them, they were heirs together of the grace of God. They had the joy of recovery. They had the beauty of being together, and they fulfilled the purpose of God. And that made them, in its entirety, a beautiful couple that we should only be like. Thank you for joining us today. Now, Tom Cantor wants to send you a free gift of his life story on DVD and in a booklet to help you reach your lost Jewish friend. This is for lost Jewish people. Tom Cantor wants to give you a free gift if you've got a lost Jewish friend. He also wants to pray for your lost Jewish friend this month. So we want you to go online to friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Fill out the online form. Put your friend's name that needs to be reached through prayer. We can mail it directly to them or directly to you to give to them. So fill out that online form at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, Tom Cantor wants to personally invite you to the Creation and Earth History Museum that he owns and operates for our Museum Day 2013 on Saturday, September 28th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. We'll have great speakers including Ray Comfort and Dr. John Morris and Gary Parker. For more information, go to creationsd.org, creationsd.org, or 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for listening.